Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello, one and all, and welcome back to another episode of Echo Station, the Mando Fetso. I'm Ian, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Chris. Hi. And today, we are talking about episodes three, episodes four, and episodes five of the Mando Fetso. Um, <laughs> you mean the Mandalorian? Are, yeah, that's the... the yep. <laughs> I, think, I think they should change the name. Yeah. We are, we're doing it. We're starting a petition now to change it just to the Manifesto. So, no, obviously the the name of the show should be the Baby Yoda Show, featuring the Mandalorian. Featuring the Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah, so we are talking about three, four, and five of the Mandalorian on the Manifesto. That's what we're doing. Yes. Go us. <laughs> um, and this is a huge like December is so big for us. So we are trying to squeeze these episodes in as fast as we can, guys. Oh, there's so much happening right now. So much happening with Rise of Skywalker and this, and vacations are coming up, and it's just crazy for us here at the station. So, like we said, bear with us, and we love that you guys interacted with us for our uh, first, I guess, part of this series. It was episodes one and two of this series, and so react with us again with episode three, four, and five. Yeah. So, uh, chapter three, we're going to start off just right off the bat, is called The Sin. Probably the biggest episode yet, I would think. I think four is the biggest episode. Like, would you mean biggest really? episode, like, character development-wise or, like, effects-wise? Oh, I, like, character development-wise. Okay, wise. character development, yes. Okay, I thought you meant, like, overall, I'm like, really? Did you see it? Was that episode four? No. <laughs> um, yes, character-wise, a huge developmental change for The Mandalorian. And, um... As a side note, this was directed by Deborah Chow, who, yes, the name sounds familiar. She uh, directed some of the uh, Jessica Jones episodes. So any Jessica Jones fans out there, she directed a few episodes of that uh, series. And she has been the chosen director for the uh, Kenobi series. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be really, really good. And she only directs, I believe, one episode. Oh, no, she directs two episodes. She directs episode yeah, no, seven she has... and episode three in this yeah. Uh, season so uh it'll be interesting to see if it has that same kind of gritty quality to it and, a darker quality yeah so um basically a short 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 recap is that the mandalorian 
he gets the kid, delivers it back to the client, and the client gives him some, the rest of the, uh, what's it called? Beskar. Beskar, steel. I called it Berserker Steel at first. It's not, that's what, that's not what it's called, Ian. He gives him an ice cream machine. <laughs> uh, he gives him the Beskar Steel. Uh, the Mandalorian then goes and gets an upgrade in all of his armor. He looks very shiny and very pretty. Because, uh, you know, like any person in their right mind, it's payday. You go get some new clothes. Exactly. I got paid. What do I do? I'm going to go spend it on some shit. I'm going to go spend it all. Um, and then he kind of grows a conscience. Yeah. And is like, um, I don't trust these people with a child, so I'm going to go get it back. And whole- and I think this is very much within the director's wheelhouse of dealing with um, kind of the inner consciousness struggle of the right things to do. Yeah. Like that was a major theme of, of Jessica Jones. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Um, And so basically he goes with the help of... Uh, the, I guess they're called the Enclave of other Mandalorians. Um, he ends up rescuing the child, kills a bunch of the other bounty hunters that are trying to hunt him and the child down, and he and he flies away. And then but he wishes I... he had a jetpack at the very end. Yes. <laughs> nice little fan service throw there. It was. It's, it's funny because my husband turns to me like when the other Mandalorian is jetpacking near him. And my husband turns to me. He says... Why doesn't he have one of those? And I just shrug. And then he goes, I gotta get me one of these. And I said, that's why. That That is why. That's why. Um, so that is, like we said, a, a quick little rundown of the episode. Obviously, a lot more happened in it. So, Chris, let's talk episode three. Okay. Um, I loved this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it, it's, to me, it's amazing how much emotiveness... Is that a word? <laughs> they get out of the Mandalorian for a guy in a mask. That's in a full face mask. That seems to be like a lot with a bunch of characters. Like, for example, uh, Tom Hardy's Bane gives a yeah. great performance, even though the character is stuck at the very end. But it gives a great performance <laughs> of that character through, you know, his eyes, basically. So to have, you yeah. know, someone do it through his eyes and voice. And so to do it through, you know, just through a voice on this one is very hard. But yeah, it's just voice, you, just you, kind of you get it. stance. Um, what did you think of, uh, him kind of, you know, I guess just giving up the baby and going like, all right, see ya. Did you think that was in character of him or did you think that he was going to go back and rescue him? I think he was wrestling it from the beginning, but trying to be true to his form. Like that, that's his job. That's what he does. At the end of the day, this this was a job. You know, he's probably never been faced with a a situation like this. Most of the people he's going after are obvious criminals right. and adults. Um, I don't know. Yeah, and he's probably he's probably used to living a pretty selfish, singular lifestyle. So to even think about the well being of somebody directly, you know, I mean, obviously he thinks about well being of others because you know he gives the extra Beskar steel. For the foundlings. Right. Um, but that's a really indirect interaction. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's it's definitely out there for him in the beginning. So I'm not surprised that he didn't initially do it. It's It, I, it makes it more interesting that he regretted it and went back to, to you know, to fix his sin. Yes. 
Um, there is a reason why, you know, obviously the episode is called The Sin. Um, and I don't necessarily think it reflects on him. It's I think it reflects also on, like, you know, what are the Imperials doing with a child? Yeah. Like, that's very sinful to what they're doing. Yeah. Don't, don't harvest the DNA of baby. You leave that baby alone. Um, yeah, I want to know more about the doctor guy. I think we will because he left him alive. Yeah. So I have a feeling he will show up in probably like Baby Yoda's backstory. He'll be the one to explain it probably. Yeah. But I, I don't think he's necessarily a bad guy either. Like not totally. I think that he's either being not necessarily held against his will, but like he's either like, you know, I can do this and survive or they can shoot me and find someone else to do it. So yeah. And it, it could totally be like a, blackmail situation or like he said you know he's only alive because of me yeah when once they you know get rid of the baby they don't have any use for me anymore and goodbye yeah um we are also introduced to a new character called paz vizla uh and that's the big like heavy machine gun uh mandalorian that we see him fight off against yeah that guy was intimidating and he's also voiced by john favreau yeah, isn't that great? So, for those who don't know also, John Favreau voiced a character in the Clone Wars called Pre Vizsla. So, they are of the same... Nice little callback there. Same Vizsla clan, I guess you would call it. Because um, once I heard him talk, I'm like, that sounds like Pre Vizsla. But that can't be Pre yeah. Vizsla because he got his head cut off. Wait a minute. Also, when I heard that was John Favreau, I was like, that's not John Favreau. That guy's gigantic. <laughs> Yeah, just the voice of John Favreau. Just the voice. Is not... Just like Nick Nolte is not actually the Nick Nolte alien. No, the, the Nick Nolte alien. That's that's his official name. Oh my god, I love it. Please put that like on the next pop box someone has of it. Just write down Nick Nolte alien. The Nick Nolte alien. Oh, that's a treat. I love that. I'm, I'm pretty sure Nick Nolte is legitimately an alien. Oh, so. Yeah. That um, tracks. So I love his like face off against him because you see these daggers and i thought at first like i was too drunk to see it because like the daggers vibrated so i thought that was just like oh vibra blades yeah but you don't get to see those really in the movies because they didn't really no. have the technology back then to do that so to see them there and i'm like oh are you kidding me i use those every thanksgiving it... stop it <laughs> not not the carver not that the is carver. exactly what they are they are vibra blades it is true i've Next time you have Thanksgiving dinner, like a Christmas dinner, I'd be like, yes, no, I gotta get the Viber Blade. Hang out. Hang on. That is the Hold only on. thing that I call them. I don't actually know what the proper name for them is because it's the Viber Blade. That's funny. Um, but yeah, this is the first time I was seeing them like in action in a movie and or in a live action format. And they were kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I get why they can do so much damage now. So it makes sense. I can see why. Like when you did that one stab KO on that horned beast or whatever. Yeah, like, cool. I get why maybe now that, you know, it was a one-hit KO because of that fiber blade. Makes sense. Um, what'd you think of the little kind of more of the backstory that we get of the Mandalorian when he was a child? Um, it seems that whatever happened to him was heartbreaking. So we we full on see a separatist invasion on his planet. Yeah. It's he's alive and during the his parents leave him behind. They kind of do like a Jenner, so they put him in a bunker and hope to God that he's okay. Yeah. Oh, it was very Jenner. So. <laughs> I know it's very, like, you know, but we see battle droids. We see, you know, ships from the Clone Wars that are, like, fully, they're, like, attacking these, you know, 
people. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. So to see that is really, really cool. And to see that call back to the Clone Wars and that is very, uh, you know, neat as well because you don't, you wouldn't have thought that, but he was very much alive during the Clone Wars, so. Yeah. Well, and you know what? And it makes sense for there to be so many orphaned characters throughout this series, just because, I mean, the whole galaxy was at war, and that's what war does. War leads a ton of orphans around. Headlines now, like, you know, in today's world society, all the war that's going on, you see, you know, all these children are orphans, so that's the product of war as well. Exactly. Um, It's sad. So, what do you think of his new armor? Oh my god, I love his armor. Yeah. And I love that she was all like, all right, well, what do you want your, um, what do they call it? The sigil. The, symbol? the sigil. What do you want your sigil to be? Should this be your sigil? And that he fully admits that it wasn't uh, it wasn't an honorable kill. Oh, he does not take credit for that at all. Yeah, that was fantastic. Which Yoda been like, His oh. sigil's gonna be Baby Yoda. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, is the sigil gonna be the child? What happened? <laughs> it's not gonna be something he killed. It's gonna be something he spares. Exactly. Um, no, but she says the sigil is going to be what the, uh, I can't remember what they're called. Birds? Oh, crap. What were they? Flitter birds? Tweeter birds? No. No, No, that's not Tweety Bird. No, no, no. She she said, okay, well, instead of the sigil, I'll make it into the, um, the whispering. Birds. Birds? No. Was it whispering birds? That sounds right. It sounds almost right. Gosh, I swear I knew what this was the other day. It, anyway, I, I've seen this episode three times. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's a cool new weapon that he gets. Yeah. So that's what we know. Whistling birds. Yeah. Whistling birds. That's yes. what they're called. And of course, because he was honorable and admitted that he did not totally do the kill by himself, uh, it saves him in the end. It saves them both. It does. Um, because he, if he hadn't had the whistling birds, then he wouldn't have been able to get out of the little rogue imperial compound the conundrum that he was in yep so um, that was a nice little callback i and i love that we actually get to see them like shoot out and stuff and we see a practical version of them being put like into the slots and everything they're yeah. very cool they're super cool um and i would totally have those as like a like a weapon of choice because they could do some damage right yeah i was thinking in um episode five i was like you know he probably could really use those right now it's too bad he used them all right like you couldn't have just saved one or two so you got to use like all 20 of them okay yeah um that's the only problem is they're you know they're just a one hit wonder yeah yeah uh so he so he goes back and he's you know he's he's feeling all this you know sad not sadness but remorse remorse and can we talk about the a beautifully shot uh, shootout that they have. Oh, wasn't that awesome? It was so, so, so good. And he burns a trooper alive. Yeah. That was... And Carl Weathers was great. Yes, we will see more of Carl Weathers, I'm sure. Uh, we have yeah. Oh, yeah. Last of him, obviously. But yeah, the whole shootout of him trying to save the baby was fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. Um, You know, he... It really demonstrated what a complete badass he is. That... Like, this is no normal mandalorian and it also demonstrates the director uh deborah uh chow's ability to handle this kind of stuff oh yeah she knows her action she did action you know scenes i've seen jessica jones but action scenes in a marvel grounded netflix show is very different than star wars yeah i mean you don't have blasters you don't have storm you know it's totally totally different 
Yeah, there's just lots more options to play with. Yes, um, and I thought the cinematography was great on this job. I thought she did great, so, you know, kudos to her. Um, but I, so the the final shootout between him and, like, you know, I guess the guild mm-hmm. uh, was, I thought, the best part of the whole entire episode. I liked him going through the uh, the compound. See that I like that too, but that's a close second to me because I like the whole shootout thing because yeah, I'm thinking like, well, who the hell is going to come save him? <laughs> True. Yeah. Like, no, I do. I do like the the Mandalorians come to back him up. Yes, I love seeing all the Mandalorians come and because he goes, you know, what are you going to do now? They go, we'll relocate somewhere. Yeah. Because you know, they don't know what's going to happen. They've been compromised. Yeah. But they take care of their own. This is what we're saying. Exactly. This is what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, and they do a great job at that. Even though they had, you know, yeah. a little bit of a tift. Um, but I I love this episode. I thought it was great. Um, it moved the plot along to where I didn't think it was so much of a filler episode like episode two was. Um, you know, they when we talk about this stuff, John Favreau said that each episode is very, like, you know, these are episodic kind of things with a big overall arcing, arcing uh, uh, storyline that connects all of them. So all of them won't have, you know, the same kind of action or, you know, what have you. Yeah. Throughout all of them. And, but, you know, like you said, I kind of... episode two was a filler episode that we felt. But this one I thought was... See, I kind of disagree with a lot of the filler Episode ideas, like calling them fillers for the most part. Um, it's, I know that there's a full, few episodes we call it. Well, here, here's why. I think that this, this is literally what the show is. It is the adventures of the Mandalorian. Right. It's just, this is, this is what we get. And now it's the adventures of the Mandalorian and his little green son. <laughs> That's just, this is what the show is, guys. This literally it. <laughs> little green son. Well... I know. So, I'm, and I don't mean filler, like, bad, necessarily. I just mean, like, you know, yeah. it's, you know, I didn't think that the second episode really was going to be like that, at least. I was expecting more, like, you know, action, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like I said, you know, still not a bad episode, but it just felt more fillery to me than, you know, what I would have wanted, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of see it as, like, it's brand new series. We need we need some establishing, establish. I can't say that word. We, we need to establish the character. Mm-hmm. So it's fine if they go off on a little bit of a side quest kind of thing, because then we're getting more an idea of who who the Mandalorian is, right? How he how he reacts to things, and, and that's fair. I didn't really think of it that way. Yeah. Um. So overall, how would you how would you rank this episode? Um, what's the, what's the criteria for ranking? Um, out of four stars. Oh, we're doing, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say, I want to say four stars for that one. Okay. Yeah. I will give it three stars. Because that one really establishes what the plot is. Yeah. I'll give it a call. And the action was incredible. And I like that we got more... Mandalorian lore drop, so yeah, four stars. All right, let us know um, what you guys thought of episode three. Um, 
But now we're going to move on to episode four. And episode four. Episode four is called Sanctuary. Sanctuary. And it's, that's immediately what I thought of was the Hunchback right? of Notre Dame. Always. It's just always. That's immediately what I thought of because I'm like, Sanctuary. Because we're Disney sanctuary. children. Yes. Um, this episode is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. And yes, we have another female director. Yes, another one. And also, uh, for those who may not know that name, uh, her father, um, um, uh, oh my god, what's her father's name? Ron, uh, Ron Howard. Howard? Jesus. I was, for some reason I was thinking Barry Howard, but that's not right at all. Barry Howard? Her, that's his other brother? Yeah. Her father, uh, Ron Howard, um, went in and redirected basically solo. Um, yeah. And of course, Bryce Ellis Howard is an actress. She's been in the Jurassic World series. She's been on uh, uh, Black Mirror. You know, you name it. She's been in a bunch of stuff. And I want to say this is her first directing gig. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Did she not direct the that Black Mirror episode too? Mm, maybe not. I don't know if she did or not. I'm not sure. I know that she shadowed her dad no, she didn't for the it. solo work. So she, she... Okay, she directed a music video. But other than that, she... Uh, she directed like some short films and like maybe a documentary or two. But this is like kind of a, her first, you know, big chunk big thing, thing yeah. of directing. I think she did a pretty darn good job. Oh, yes. Um, so the episode kind of starts off with Baby Yoda being a little shit. <laughs> and how dare like, you? He touches, you know, all the controls on the ship. And he straight up, when he's told no, looks dead ass into the Mandalorian's face and just reaches over it while he's looking at him and touches the button. Yeah, that's like literally the MO of every toddler everywhere. That was. I think the highlight of the episode for me. <laughs> it was perfect. It was just him being a little it shit. Perfect. It was so funny because I'm like, oh, is he going to touch? He's like a cat. He's going to, oh, yeah. He's going to knock things gonna over. And that's yep. very much kind of like Yoda species, you know, they're kind of just like little shits. So they are little shits. Um, so basically, this episode, um, you know, revolves around a village being ransacked and, you know, asking help from a mercenary. And they help take down the bad guys and help the village to not get plundered again. There's a lot more, I would say, emotional, emotional and character driven, driven. things, and yeah, um, in this episode. This episode also heavily mirrors a Clone Wars episode. Um, I believe it's in season either two or three, where Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka go to Felucia. And the pirates oh, yeah. are ransacking a village. It's Hondo and his gang. And they teach the, yeah. the villagers how to fight. They teach them, you know, and there's a lot of callbacks to that episode. But, you know, people are complaining about that. And also the Clone Wars took that from other episodes, too. It's not just. Yeah, that's that's a, a serious kind like, of thing. That's a TV trope. Yeah, exactly. It's totally the go help the primitive village people. is a super TV trope. Exactly. So if you guys can't just be mad at them ripping off the Clone Wars because the Clone Wars ripped off someone else. Yeah. So, you know. Um, so so talk us through episode four, Chris. Um I like the uh, well see, and I also thought it was a callback to Return of the Jedi. It felt very 
Return of the Jedi. Um, okay. Would not have been surprised if a bunch of Ewoks randomly appeared out of the forest. I would have laughed my um, ass off. <laughs> Uh, you know, because we've got the very primitive setting. It is a, a foresty setting. Um, we do have, aside from the interesting random villager characters, we have a super interesting character that we're introduced to very early on who ends up pretty much besting the Mandalorian. And that's a woman named Cara Dune. Yeah, she's fun. Who's played by a super badass. Um, yes, whose name Gina is escaping me? What is Tina Carano? Yeah, thank you. I know that uh, name, she's... but Ron Howard just escapes me for some reason. But Ron Howard, nope. She is um, a former MMA fighter and just, like... She's in the Deadpool movie, too. She takes... Yeah, she is. She's really awesome. In that. She takes him down, and it is believable. It's all very, very, very good and very fun. She is... She plays... Personally, she can kick my ass any day. Right? Um, yeah. She plays an ex-rebel shock trooper called... Uh, Cara Dune, and I, when you hear an ex-rebel, you don't really hear that that much, because, like, you would, you think rebellion, you think, oh, rebels for life. Like, yeah, you don't really hear, like, oh, I rebelled, I, I rebelled, I rebelled, I rebelled, and I'm gone, goodbye. Like, I don't really, you don't really hear that a whole lot. It makes sense, I think, because a lot of, a lot of the character traits and personality types and, and the things that you you want to do that I think drive people to become part of a rebellion, to become a guerrilla soldier, those kind of things. You know, once a rebellion becomes legitimate and has to establish laws and rules and, you know, make an actual legitimate government, um, it might be a turnoff for those kind of people. And it might not go in the direction that they initially wanted. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So that her her character makes sense to me, but it's not something I think you see very often. No, it's not. That that actually makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, um, you know, like like where is she? Probably felt lost. Like where is my place now that there's a new republic? I don't feel like I have a place. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense that she would join the guild. So, I I love her character. She's fun. And she's oh, like, she's, so she's cool. sassy, and she, I like how she has, like, the rebellion symbol tattooed on her face, too. Yeah. Because I first thought that was just, like, a mole they put on her or something, or, like, she had, like, a blemish or something. Because <laughs> I couldn't, you can't really zoom in on the pictures that much, and then when I saw it, it's, oh, it's the rebel symbol. That's. Yeah, that's super cool. It's interesting that you would, that you would tattoo, you know, rebel for life, basically, but then not be a part of the rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, it's, like, okay. Interesting. Um, so... Basically, this, I think, out of the three episodes that we are talking about, this is my favorite episode. I loved it. I know, I, I kind of briefly saw that people were complaining about it, but whatever. I love it. So, I think it's a fantastic episode. It really builds up character. You really oh yeah. get to get a sense of who the Mandalorian is in this episode. Um, you can see the conflict within him about where he wants to take his life path, basically, you know, and, and what he's going to do with Baby Yoda and himself. And, you know, he, he's, he starts to, it's so funny because from the very beginning that the woman that he's kind of in contact with, basically in this little village, my husband was immediately like, Ooh, it's a love interest. No, they don't have to be love interest people. Yeah, but it totally was. Oh, but yes. Yeah, but it was. And yeah. 
Well, he said that initially for for Kara, and I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. No, I... But then this girl comes along, and I'm like, there it is. Yes, we found it. <laughs> there she is. Speaking of which, she uh, is a very interesting character. We're talking about um, uh, the character. Her name? her name is... Okay, O-M-E-R-A. How would you say it? O-M-E-R-A? Omera? Omera, that's okay. So her name is Omera, and she's played by Julia Jones, who um, is the first uh her like first i guess native american actress in yeah. star wars yeah. i'm trying to think how to word that um and that's a huge 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 thing oh yeah i mean like not only are we getting you know uh the first you know female directors for star wars and female writers we're getting a lot of representation yes. through this um We'll talk about some representation as well in uh, episode five. Um, yes. Some big representation. But yeah, she, um, for all you, she was um, Leah Clearwater in the Twilight movies. That's where I know her from. Yep, there you go. I was like, damn it. This woman is so familiar. Yeah. I knew her. I'm like, I know where I've seen her too. But that's, so that's where you've probably seen her from is from the Twilight yeah. movies. Um, yes. So she takes them in and she, you know, says, hey, can you help us with these douchebags who keep on raiding our village? Um, and he, the man learns like, yeah, but you guys got to train and stuff. We don't know how to train. So they go and train and. So they're going to need a montage. There's a, there's a training montage. We get it, folks. <laughs> but the fun thing is he asks who here can shoot. Not a single person raises their hand, but her. Except her. Yeah. And why? I, that's what I want to know. Something has. I know. I don't know if it's from maybe the Clone Wars or what, but something she knows and she hit her mark every single time she didn't miss one shot yeah and i wondered if it had something to do with the reason that she's a widow and right like what so uh, i really want her past to kind of be explored either through this show or maybe like a comic book or something yeah. fun maybe have her like pop up in a need more info yeah i i really liked her and i'm i'm invested in her character now oh yeah she was into the mando yes um like super hot and bothered so Kara and the Mando they go to you know the encampment and they basically take out a good chunk of the uh raiders but then they find something kind of big in the forest yes and it was a dinosaur it was a dinosaur no, no. but we will tell you what they found after this commercial break so we will be right back after these messages. Okay. We're back. Welcome back. So if you're following back with us after that lovely brief message, uh, we were talking about the Mandalorian and Cara Dune and what they have found in the forest. And what did they find, Chris? They found an ATST. Yeah. So back with those, you know, Return of the Jedi callbacks. It was it was cool. And it was like painted cool and had like the red on the inside, and it was it oh, was, it was super creepy yeah. looking, um, very intimidating. I I love the ATST. It was so cool, right? Yeah, no, it was great to see it again. Yeah, it was a great callback to the original trilogy and you know uh, the Empire and all that stuff. Um, so to pause real quick about you know this this episode. This episode is very you know also visual effects hand like heavy. Um, oh, yeah. it's also, you know, practical effects heavy and I got to give it up to Bryce and like her team and everyone on the Mandalorian for that, because 
it's not an easy feat to do. No. You know. It looks really great. And, you know, especially with the ATSD, I, I, it gave me, and it's funny because she's in it, it gave me some Jurassic Park moments. <laughs> oh, like when they're running out from the forest, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. And you, like, see, like, yeah. the two red eyes in the forest and gets closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And cl- yeah. Um, so, basically, you know, in the end, they win. Uh, they take down the ATST through a trap. They set all these traps. They take out the bandits and the pirates. Cardoon saves the day, Car- Yeah, Cardoon saves the day. Um, like, the badass that she is. Yeah. Uh, totally risked her life for these people, oh, yeah. which she had no reason to do. No, she was just fine being drunk at the bar. Yeah. Like like all of us adults. Yes. Um so basically, um, you know, they leave, but also this we didn't talk about this yet. This episode brings up something that people are freaking out about in the canon. And that's him talking about the removal of his helmet. Oh my god, I know. I'm and I didn't want to touch on this because I know that it's it's ridiculous, but we have to touch on this. It's just, okay, so my talking with other people about this is that it's, maybe it's like a, a clan thing? Like, this is the way of that clan? Okay. Because obviously we've seen several Mandos and they take their helmet off. Sabine takes her helmet exactly. off. Exactly. So does that mean she's not a Mandorian yeah. anymore? I, yeah, like, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. They've got to, they've got to explain this. Like. I mean, Django took his helmet off, but we all we already know that he's not technically Mandalorian anyway, but still. Yeah. I mean, you see a bunch of Mandos on Mandalore in the Clone Wars take off their helmets. It just seems like a really weird rule. It is. Like, it, so, if it, I kind of see how you see it. Like, maybe it's that way for that clan. Because, obviously, yeah. you know, if you take off your helmet on Mandalore... Where they're gonna be like, oh, you're not a Mandalorian anymore. Sorry, gotta go. Right? Like it, it's just weird. No, it. I don't know if they just made a boo boo in that sense, or if it's gonna be explained later on. But they, I don't know what happened. But well, they talked about it more than once, so I'm assuming they're gonna have to address yeah, it. Yeah, I I don't know if they just, like I said they made like a big boo boo and just like forgot their own canon for like two seconds and. <laughs> was just like riding crap or what but yeah um <laughs> like wouldn't it be cool if he never takes his helmet yeah. off but wait we've had so many characters take off their helmets <laughs> so are they not mandalorians we don't know um so what do you guys think on that let us know as well uh t- don't forget to tweet us at echo station cast on on the twitters and Twitter. let us know what you guys think of that whole conundrum because like we said we it's we, a weird one we kind of think that it's a it's by clan so that's kind of what we're going with, at least until they give us a They're full like explanation of it. Mandalorian Orthodox. <laughs> They're Orthodox Mandalorians. They're Orthodox Mandalorians. Oh, that's, that's funny. That's what it is. That is what it is. Um, so basically at the very end, Mandalorian realizes that they have to leave because someone takes a pot shot at Baby Yoda. Asshole. Um, that whole... Uh, image of baby yoda like in the sights i couldn't breathe for like five seconds no i didn't know what was gonna happen like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god no there was no way they were gonna kill him oh no but for the brief moment i was like 
I'm holding my breath because if I hold my breath, I know nothing bad can happen. Well, I thought they might. I thought they might like maybe hit one of the other kids at first. I was like, what? Yeah. Well, that's fine. Let them kill one of those kids. I don't care. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Just dis. Been like dispensable. Yeah, they're fine. Village Which, children. By the way, it's fine. I would like to commend every single child on that show. Because, oh, for keeping their mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. Because they interacted with that puppet. It wasn't a CGI'd in Yoda. No. That, and um, that was a puppet. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard's children were on set every day as well. Yes. Um, and they had this whole thing about like every morning they were like, "Who do we not talk about? We don't talk about the child." Yeah. Um, so kudos to those kids for, um, keeping their traps shut, because that's, that was good. Because, because most adults couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, out of four stars, give me your rating for episode four. Uh, three. Okay, so. Solid three. We, you and I are doing reverse, uh, scores, yeah. so I'm doing four stars on this one. Um, I loved it, I thought it was great, the music was great for it, uh, the music keeps on getting better, I think. I love the music. Um, but it for sure, I I really did like this episode. It was a great callback to the Clone Wars, and it, you introduced some new characters, and Bryce did a great job directing. I think, I personally hope she directs more episodes in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I loved it. So moving on to our final episode of our recap. This is chapter five called The Gunslinger. The Gunslinger. Yeah, so for anybody who was like, oh, it's not a Western. It's a Western. It's very much a Western. Um, (laughs) It's such a Western. Come on, people. So this episode was uh, written and directed by Dave Filoni, um, who is the executive producer, director of the pilot, director of the Clone Wars. You know the man. You know his hat. You know Dave Filoni. Yes. Um, So it also stars opposite Pedro Pascal, um, Jake... um, Cannaval, who plays, um, um, I can't remember his name. <laughs> What's his name? What's his name? I, oh, Toro Calican. That's right. Does it matter well, at the end of the day? I, he plays, um, Discount Dash Rendar. Oh, there you go! Yeah. Yes! We'll, uh, we'll talk about That's it. That's what it we'll is. We'll talk about it. Oh, yeah. Um, you also get, um, a repair mechanic named, uh, Peli Moto. Played by Amy fucking Sedaris. And she was adorable. It was the... That whole thing was fantastic. Funniest thing. Because I'm looking at it, I'm like, I know that voice. Yeah, and I exactly. I know I've seen that face before, but I didn't know why... Just picture her in a, like, a cat in a jumpsuit. Right? And... But I didn't know, like, I'm just, like, looking at it, I'm like, well, why does this person look like a really butch Richard Simmons and, like, Ripley had a child? Oh my god. Oh my god. Tell me I'm wrong. Please tell me I'm wrong. I'm <laughs> That's not. so perfect. No, I made the Ripley connection, but not Richard Simmons. <laughs> oh my god, that's too perfect. Like, like, yes. like that, and then they put like a little Brillo pad wig on her. Oh, it, is, it is an interesting wig. They said this this series, you know, takes place after Return of the Jedi, so that's like 1988. We're going to do that kind of hair. Okay. Um. Yeah, she plays a mechanic, um, and we also get the New character played by Ming Na Wen uh, of Ages of Shield fame, voice of Mulan, as Finnick Shand, who is a master Disney assassin. legend. Uh, yeah, Disney legend. Oh, it was great to see her. Um, oh, I loved it. Her outfit, by the way, was amazing. Uh, was, I love. I loved her helmet. Her helmet. Oh was yeah, really the cool. whole thing is so cool. Um, so this episode was great, ish. It had some great moments. Yes, it had great moments. Um, one of the big moments. 
was for me that they uh, go back to Tatooine. Yes. That was the That was amazing. Thing. I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. I didn't think we were yeah. getting original trilogy or prequel trilogy or any kind of trilogy planets in this. I thought it would be all new locations. I thought that was a I thought that was one of the random bits of info that had come out had come out originally that they were going to be back on Tatooine. I didn't read that. So maybe maybe I'm imagining things. I don't know. Um so his ship gets damaged in a dogfight and basically has to go land on Mos Eisley. Oh yeah, so he's being attacked by another guild member. Yes, and he obviously wins. Who... Well, but he gives so he almost doesn't win. That was an awesome move by the way. That oh the pretty It's a trope move. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a trope move, but it's so cool. Um but the other guild member gave him the whole I can bring you in hot or I can bring you in cold line. So what, does the guild have catchphrases? Is this like a here are our approved catchphrases? I don't know, but then he goes, that's my line, and he shoots him down. <laughs> He's like, hey, hey, fuck you, that's mine. Fuck you. And so he blows them up. His ship gets yeah. damaged. He lands in Moss Eisley. Um, he, he runs into um, Richard Simmons' daughter. <laughs> um, sure. And she's she's a hoot. I like her. She's funny. Oh, yeah, no, I love her. She was kind of like, hey, what's going on? And I love seeing the pit droids, too. Oh, I know, and I love that they're playing cards together. Did you so see? Adorable. So watch that scene again. And the pit droid, they're passing cards to each other, like, below the table. Of course they are. It's the funniest <laughs> thing, because I'm watching, and I see, like, an arm extend. I'm like, wait a minute, let me rewind this. And they're freaking cheating at Savak, and they're, like, throwing cards on the table. It's the funniest That's thing. That's adorable. I loved it. I'm like, these droids are cheating, ma'am. What is happening? Of course they are. Um, so I gotta give kudos to the um, design team for this episode, especially the set design team, because they recreated Tatooine. It was beautiful. It was so, it was like immediately obvious, even if they hadn't said it. And actually, so I didn't quite hear them say um, like you're cleared to land. I didn't hear where they s- when they said Mos Eisley. Oh, um, yeah. So he comes into that landing, and I'm like, shit, that looks like that looks like Tatooine. And then when he when he walks out, I I I was like, I think they're on Tatooine. <laughs> so we had to rewind to hear that, and we're like, okay, yeah, it is. Um, so the reason why I bring this up is because one, they recreated a section of Mos Eisley that looked very much like, like Mos Eisley. I don't know where they yeah. filmed it, but I know the original trilogy and prequel trilogy filmed the Tatooine stuff in Tunisia. I yep. doubt they went to Tunisia to film this. Uh, no, it's a little, uh, things are a little dicey. Yeah. That area um, right now. So, a dicey. I mean, wherever they filmed it was a great recreation for Tatooine. It just proves you don't have to yeah, go, really you know, cool. halfway across the world to find sand folks. That's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's literally a giant desert, California. Yeah. Just, just, just Also sand. in Colorado. There's a sand dune. Yeah. Like, several places in North America. Right. <laughs> um, so, and then the, they recreated the bar, the cantina bar. How great was that? When they walked in there. I loved it. And it literally like, looked oh like everything God. from episode four, like, down to the detail. Like, it looked like... Yeah. The cantina. Oh, and I think it was great that there was a freaking droid serving. I was just going to talk about that. That was the bartender. Wasn't that a great little haha? I loved that. Because we don't serve droids here. (laughs) We don't serve them. They serve you! Yes. (laughs) No, I absolutely love that two droids were the bartenders and 
Yeah, it was fantastic. I was like, oh, they, you damn right you take that bar back. Exactly. I was Droid rights. I was so happy you brought that up, because if not, I was going to bring that up in a heartbeat. <laughs> I love that. Um, so he runs into a shady, like, Han Solo-looking motherfucker. Oh my god, sitting in the booth, sitting like Han Solo, and I'm just sitting here like, how dare you stand where he stood? Did you see that meme? No. <laughs> so he, so this last, the last Harry Potter movie, he says that to Snape, and there's a gif of him, and then a gif of him, like, sitting like that, and it's Harry saying, how dare you stand where he stood? No, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And I'm like, how dare you, sir? Okay. So he... <sighs> I don't like this character. <laughs> I, I I feel like that's probably a common opinion at this I'm point. I'm glad he's dead. Spoiler <sighs> he alert, does, he dies. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert, he's a dumbass and he dies. Um, yeah, I um, don't like him. I, he was just he's like too- he he was just there to move the plot along. Yeah, and, and it and it seemed like a waste of time. I get that, but like I did not like him at all. I he like I I think he is like literally a discount crappy version of Dash Rendar from the Expanded Universe. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, for those who don't know, go look up Dash Rendar and then watch this episode and you'll be like, oh, yeah. It could have been so much better. Right? Like, if that was Dash Rendar, yeah. that would have been so cool. Right. Um, I, You know, they could have gone, I think, in better directions with this. He... I felt like maybe if they had made him likable <laughs> instead of, like, like a bro douchebag... It would have been like a better, you know. Douchebag. He was a totally a college frat douchebag. You're like, why go back to your dad and live off his money because you shouldn't be here? Yeah, he, he, I did not like him. He was too. If it had been some, you know, like earnest, cute kid kind of thing, I could see like where you know we feel something yeah. for him. But otherwise, you're almost like, why is the Mandalorian even entertaining this guy? Like, it's... Why didn't he just shoot him and take his right? stuff um i did really love that they when they hop on the speeder bikes i loved hearing that sound i love seeing oh, right. like i just love those old classic star wars sounds in like the new age yes. it's so great um and i love that they come across the tuscan raiders how cool was that so here's the thing i the tuscan raiders you know are perceived to be you know these mindless thoughtless animals you know that you know beat people and kill people and all that stuff and i'm a i'm really good at making the tuscan raider noise i'm just saying it, like it's a talent it's a talent it's a talent you should ask lydia hartwell it's a it's a particular talent that i am known to pull out every once in a while which i will not do because it'll destroy the mic but all right well next time i see you you're doing it for me yes i will do it. um <laughs> so and they come across these tuscan raiders and the Tuscan Raiders don't attack them. They just kind of stand there like, hey, what's up? And the really, really cool representation thing that they do is they talk in their native tongue, which is sign language. I was like, what? The Tuscan Raiders speak sign language. That was the coolest thing I think I have ever seen because the Mandalorian, you know, speaks them and they speak right back. No hostility, no weapons, no nothing. And that was so what a great cool. addition to the lore. That's really cool, and I love, like I said, seeing that. It was that was great. Just makes me want to go back and be like, you see, Anakin, if you'd just taken the time, right, just communicate to learn the native language. Also, liked how they had a you know while how he was talking about, well, the Tuscan Raiders see everybody else's 
intruders. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're so, they're the natives. They're, they just eat they're them. the natives yeah. on Tatooine. Everybody else is an asshole. Which you know, again, callbacks to you know real life events from way back when. So yeah. Anyway, um, getting a little political. Yeah, they barter safe passage. Um, so, uh, they come across a dewback, and it's obviously a trap. Yes, and I'm like, this isn't. This is a trap, and so <laughs> this is a trap. This, this is, <laughs> So we get introduced to Fennec Shand by her taking shots at them. They hide, wait till night to go and find her. And then the way that they get to her is very cool. Well, she had the high ground. So. Okay. Okay. Um, so I love that when they, you know, like I said, their plan was to shoot off flares to blind her scope so she couldn't see anything. It was like get closer to her. And it worked. Yeah. It was really cool. It was a really cool sequence. I liked it. So he must have had, he, he had to have turned his scopes off too. His helmet stuff. Because wouldn't that have blinded him as well? I would assume so. Because yeah, he has a, right? he has a image system in his, in his helmet, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. He's basically got built in scopes. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't think about I don't that. Know. Yeah. Huh. Um, so eventually they do catch up to her. Um, and they hold her, you know, at gunpoint and they capture her and everything like that. Um, and she basically tricks, um, what's his name? Toro? Well, Mando goes about, Mando leaves. Yeah, Mando leaves because he's like, all right, I'm going to get that do back because the speeders are broken. And so she gets into Toro's head and he's like, okay, whatever. Because he's an idiot. I don't care about the bounty. I just care about, you know, capturing you and getting into the guild. He doesn't care about money, is what he yeah. keeps saying. It's not about the money. She keeps trying to, like, bribe him. Um, so, she helps him. She says, "You, I'll help you capture the Mandalorian because he's screwed over the guild and he's, you know, all this stuff. If you set me free. And he goes, okay. But then he just yeah. fucking shoots her. I was literally surprised by that. I, I was, was like, oh, wow, maybe he's hit. not as dumb as he looks. Because that was unexpected. I was unbelievably pissed. Be- she ain't dead. Come on. Uh, I think she's dead. I don't think she's dead. I don't think she's dead. I hope she's not dead, but if she is, I'm going to be super pissed because this is a character who's really cool and really great representation from this actress and everything, and then you're just going to kill her off within, like, ten minutes of her screen time. Yeah, I don't think she's actually dead. Not Because they because they went back to her, I don't think she's dead. But, like, they went back to her Because it didn't make it also didn't make sense that they wouldn't take her. I don't know. I think she's Why dead. wouldn't he have taken her? I don't know. I, because he could have gotten money for that. I think... I don't know. We'll see. But I think personally she's dead. I hope she's not, but I think she is. Um, my my money's that she's not dead. So basically, you know, he then goes to where the, his, the Mandalorian ship is. He thinks that taking the baby hostage is going to be smart. Because sure. Because he's an asshole. And it, he gets himself killed, basically. Mandalorian shoots him. And I know, because I love that uh, the lady's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Yeah, she's like, this isn't, yeah. This isn't, this is not going to work out for you. So sorry. Um, which it doesn't. He gets shot. He dies. Um, you know, he gives um, the repair lady the rest of his credits. Uh, not his credits, but the other guy, Toro's credits. And she's like, yeah, this should cover it. This is fine. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Probably gave her like, you know, $5,000 in credits or some shit like that. Yeah. So I assumed he took stuff from uh, Shand as oh, well. Oh, I did too. Yeah, like he fully just like robbed her. He just he just looted everybody. He assassins creed her corpse and just looted her. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so he, you know, takes off on that next adventure, and there is a shot. Yes. In the desert of a mysterious figure who approaches Shan's body. Oh my god, and everyone is all a Twitter. Who do you think it is? Okay, so there's two major I mean the major two us dorks. Mm-hmm. Um signs about who this might be and that is the sound of the footfalls Mm -hmm. and the musical cues and the fact that we are on Tatooine Mm -hmm. so who do we think it is I mean okay so if we if you know your who who are we alluding to are they alluding to, to Boba that's what the internets are saying I think it would be too easy to do Boba Fett. I mean, it would be amazing. It would be. Because for those who, you know, when we hear the spurs, it's what you're talking about for the sound of the, the footfalls. Yeah. Um, if you listen to episode five and six, whenever he walks, it's the sound of spurs, which is kind of a cool Western thing that they did for his footsteps. Yeah. Um, so to hear those again, I'm like, oh. And they made sure that footstep was loud, too. Like they made sure that sound effect yeah. was loud. So... And the fact, for me, the other thing, the callback, or I keep saying callback, the um, the other kind of nudge towards that, maybe, for me, is the actual title of the episode. Because Boba Fett is very much a gunslinger. Yes. Oh, I didn't think about that. Ah. Ah. <laughs> ah. Um, <laughs> so, I think it's either Boba, which I, my money's not on Fett. My money's on Carl. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love it to be, but I think they're—I think they're trying to make us think that it is. I, I think they're trying to do a fake out, honestly. But I do kind of think it's Carl Weathers' character. Oh, that's a good point. Or we have not seen the female Twilight bounty hunter yet. That's true. We have not. Um, so she's supposed to appear in the next episode or two, I believe. So, uh, she is not appeared yet so I'm, it could be my bet is either Fett um the female Twilight Bounty Hunter or Carl Weathers character or Carl Weathers who has a name that I can't remember but it's Carl Weathers yeah it's just Carl Weathers <laughs> Nick Nolte and Carl yep, Weathers that's them um so I think it would be extremely cool to be Boba Fett I don't think it would make sense to have it be Boba Fett just because he's randomly there like okay well, and it takes away from the Mandalorian because then it's suddenly like the Boba Fett show. Oh my God, Boba yeah. Fett! <laughs> Boba Fett, where? Boba Fett, where? Yeah, um, exactly. So I don't think it's Boba. I would love it to be Boba. I think it would be really cool to be Boba Fett, but I don't think it is Boba. Um, but let us know. Don't forget to tweet us at Echo Station Cast, guys, and let us know who you think those feet belong to. Because those boots were made for walking, and we want to know who's walking it. Apparently, we want to know. Um, so finally, out of four stars, what do you give this episode? Oh, gosh. It had some four-star moments. But, uh, I'm gonna, and I hate to do this to, to Dave Filoni, but, uh, like, a, like a two and a half? I was thinking two and a half or three. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not, it's definitely not my top episode. No, 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 for sure not. Um, 
I love that they did some great character introductions and great, great yeah. callbacks to the original trilogy and, you know, all that stuff, but it fell flat. I'm sorry. Yeah. It did. I mean, we're going to have to get a meh yeah. episode. It's just... It makes... It, every season it's has inevitable. a meh episode. Or sometimes every show has, like, a full season of just meh episodes. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. Like, the first season of Buffy was kind of meh. <gasps> I know, I know, I know, I know, but just... <laughs> The rest of the seasons were great, but like the first season, you gotta be really like forgiving of it when you first watch it because well, you're like, it's like Oof. you know, you skip the first season of Parks and Rec. Yeah, also that too. And you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Um, you're fine. So that's our scoring for um, episode five. Episode three, it was Chris gave it a four. I gave it a three. Episode four, I gave it a four. Chris gave it a three. And then episode five, we're in that two and a half to three star range for both of us. Yeah. Um. So, like we said, let us know. We got a we got a one star character and a four star character, right. and that averages it out to two and a half. That's the funniest thing I think I've ever heard. Oh my god, <laughs> logic! It's it's Star Wars math. Yep. Um. So, like I said, tweet us at Echo Station Cast. You can follow us there. Um. You know. Uh. And then let us know what you think. Um. Don't forget, we are also on Apple Podcasts. Um, we are on Spreaker, we are on Spotify, basically wherever you get your podcasts from, we're there in some form. Um, we're there. So, uh, and also you can follow me on Twitter at IRTurner, and then follow Chris here at The Dirt Witch. Um, you know, give us some love, give our show some love. We love talking about The Mandalorian. We only have three episodes left until the finale. Ah, that's crazy. Uh, we have episode six, which actually is premiering on Wednesday. Because it has a special Rise of Skywalker um, preview attached to it. Uh, or is it episode 7? So exciting. Is it 6 or 7? Hang on. Wait a minute. I'm not sure. Let me look at my calendar real quick because I have it in here. Uh, 6 is the third. No, I think it is episode 7. So episode 7 premieres on the 18th, I believe, instead of the 20th. Okay. That makes sense because so, it's the day before Skywalker. Yeah. So... Uh, like I said, we have three episodes left. Um, the way that we are hoping to get your reviews to you is still up in the air because Chris is going on vacation soon and the episodes are airing. So it's just, you know, we will get them to you eventually. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, we won't leave you guys hanging because, of course, we're going to be talking about the season finale no matter what. Um, but that about does it from here for us at the Echo Station uh, don't forget to, uh, like I said, tweet us and then also go listen to our previous, uh, Manda Fetso, where we talked about episodes one and two, if you haven't listened to that yet. So, uh, until then, do you have anything to say to the viewers or listeners? I have spoken. Oh, we have, we have spoken. We have spoken. We have spoken. spoken for a while. So, and on that note, we will leave you to your thoughts. So have a good night, guys. Have a good night. <laughs>